This is The Guardian. Today, a year out from the US election, will Donald Trump be running his campaign from the courtroom? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It is a trial staying on top of all the cases and felony charges faced by the former president of the United States of America. Donald Trump's legal troubles are mounting. Willful retention of national defense information. Seeking to interfere with the lawful transfer of power. Inspiring to disenfranchise voters. Sexual abuse and defaming writer E. Jean Carroll. Hush money payments to an adult entertainer. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. As usual, Trump is never far from the headlines on rolling TV news channels. Or, for that matter, a courtroom. We had a very radical left judge, and uh, the radical left judge was saying a lot of things that weren't nice. And despite the multiple charges he's facing... It was last night our campaign won a gigantic court victory in Colorado. He's claimed victory in a recent case, allowing him to appear on the ballot in the state of Colorado. But cases like these are the least of his worries. He's got dozens of serious charges hanging over him, Many of them carry the threat of jail time. Not that you know it by watching him. As someone on the Trump beat who uh, talks to his advisors every day and a lot of his lawyers every day, I think the picture we get of Trump is actually someone who is pretty defiant. In the last week, the Trumps, Donald, Ivanka and Eric, have taken the stand in a New York courtroom in a major fraud case that Trump Sr. has already been found guilty in. At various points, he would veer off and start lashing out at the judge. He would be making these off-color remarks. That's just one of what is now a spiraling caseload for his legal team. And it's all colliding with the reality of a presidential campaign. And you know what? We have a corrupt legal system in our country. The DOJ is corrupt. And they're leading this whole thing for election interference. Thank you very much. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, the trials and tribulations of Donald Trump. Hugo Lowell, you're a reporter in the Washington Bureau and you're covering Donald Trump and the Justice Department. We're almost exactly a year out from the US presidential election next November. What is the state of Donald Trump's campaign at the moment? The state of Trump's campaign is he's in a very good position. He launched his campaign this time last year. Actually, we just passed the one-year anniversary of that. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States. It was derided as low energy, and he was almost certain to get a run for his money from Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor. 
And I think a lot of his advisors and a lot of people around him were concerned that maybe Trump's heart wasn't in running for president again. And then what happened over the course of the year is he was indicted multiple times in these federal and state criminal cases. And in doing so, it boosted his fundraising numbers, it boosted his polling numbers. And that gave him a level of confidence and a level of buy-in that I don't think we had seen before. Hugo, as you've mentioned, there is a mind-bending number of charges and cases against Donald Trump. Four separate criminal cases, 91 felony counts in four different states, a civil fraud case and a second defamation suit in relation to a sexual assault case. In normal circumstances, you'd think that any one of these would be catastrophic enough if you're running for office, let alone for the most powerful seat there is. And yet that's just not how it works in Trump world. Can you start by explaining the case he's currently embroiled in in New York State? Can you tell me what it's about? So there's the criminal cases and the civil cases. Right now, we are coming off the back of the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case. It's to do with the Trump Organization. She's seeking $250 million in fines, and she wants to revoke the business licenses for the Trump Organization in the state of New York, which is known as the corporate death penalty, would stop Trump from operating any business in New York. We've just gotten through the case in chief brought by the attorney general's office, and currently we're we're in the defense phase from Trump's lawyers right now. But that case has already been decided. Justice Ngoron, who is overseeing the case, decided pre-trial that he would award summary judgment. The judge ruled that Trump committed fraud by repeatedly inflating the value of some of his properties, exaggerating his net worth by more than $2 billion. So that he could get better terms on business loans while undervaluing himself to the tax man so that he would get bigger tax breaks. And the state of New York says that is material fraud and he should be sanctioned for that. Former President Trump is denying all wrongdoing, calling the trial election interference. So very simply put, it's a witch hunt. It's a disgrace. We have a corrupt attorney general in this state. You see how she does? This trial was railroaded and fast-tracked. This trial could have been brought years ago, but they waited till I was right in the middle of my campaign. So as you said, he's already been found guilty. That's been established early on. What are the most serious consequences for Trump in this case? I mean, how big a deal is it for him not to be able to operate business-wise in New York? If Trump loses his business licenses in New York, that is the end of the Trump organization as we know it. His entire business empire is based in the state of New York. He has all these properties in New York. He has run it out of his Trump Tower property on Fifth Avenue. That was where he launched his candidacy. This is central to his image and his brand as a kind of real estate mogul. And so I think it has both the personal effect of being incredibly embarrassing for him and being incredibly painful for him just on a personal level. But it also has the effect that the Trump organization and his businesses won't be able to continue operating in the way that they currently have. If the New York Attorney General gets the sanctions that she wants, the Trump organization will cease to exist in its current form. Hugo, that's just one civil case. There are also several pending criminal cases. Can you remind me what they are? 
Yeah, and there's two federal cases and there's one state and local case. So the two federal cases are being brought by the special counsel, Jack Smith, in Washington and in Florida. The Florida case is to do with Trump's retention of national defense information and obstruction of justice at his Mar-a-Lago club. That's all the documents that were found that he shouldn't have had from the White House. Those are the classified documents that he kept uh, after he left office and then obstructed the government's efforts to retrieve them, including by defying a federal grand jury subpoena. The Washington case is to do with his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election and how he took steps to obstruct the congressional certification of the election results. And then the state and local cases in Georgia, which is being brought by the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, who is charging Trump and 18 other co-defendants with respect to their efforts to overturn the 2020 election results, specifically in the state of Georgia. Now, that case is interesting because so far four people, and we expect more, have taken plea deals and become cooperating witnesses for prosecutors. Which of these cases do you think he will be most worried about at this stage? I mean, which of them seem the strongest? The cases he should be most concerned about, it's probably the federal January 6th case in Washington. That is scheduled to go to trial in March. The judge overseeing that case has made it clear that she intends to stick to that schedule, despite Trump's efforts and attempts to delay it. And given that seems most likely to go first, I think that is where he probably needs to be concentrating the majority of his attention. The charges in that case are pretty damning. And I think the most consequential of the three conspiracies he's charged with is a conspiracy to obstruct the congressional certification of the election results. It's 18 USC 1512. That's a statute that has been used to prosecute hundreds of January 6th riot defendants and very successfully. The longest punishment yet in connection to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Just a short time ago, Enrique Tarrio, the one-time leader of the far-right group, the Proud Boys, was sentenced to 22 years in prison. The only thing prosecutors have to show is that Trump, through corrupt intent, sought to stop an official proceeding. It has become case law that the congressional certification on January 6th was an official proceeding before Congress. So that part is satisfied. What we don't quite know yet is how the corrupt test gets applied. Was Trump getting an unlawful benefit through the interruption of that certification? And the answer quite clearly is yes. By not certifying Joe Biden as the winner, Trump was extending, in theory, the amount of time he would remain president even though he was not entitled to, because, of course, he lost the election. So those are the legal arguments against him. But in that specific case, what is the most serious punishment that he could face? All of these charges carry jail time. It's not clear how this would be applied to Trump, especially as a former president with Secret Service detail. And actually, this has become a point of contention in legal circles because Trump, in theory, should be treated like any other criminal defendant, and if he is convicted, like any other convicted felon. But the practical considerations here raise the stakes because he is obviously a former president, and he does get Secret Service protection for the rest of his life. And on the face of it, it seems unworkable 
to have Trump with his Secret Service detail. In prison. Right, like anyone else. It's not the same situation. And the U.S. justice system has never really been confronted with a problem like Trump before. So I think it's an open question. And yet, that's not all. As serious as all of that is. Hugo, can you get my head around the other cases Trump's extensive legal teams are battling and how straightforward they are? Well, the other federal case, the classified documents case in Florida, is also very serious. Arguably, the charges there are the most serious because he is charged with violating the Espionage Act. Former president put out a statement on Truth Social today saying in part, how can DOJ possibly charge me who did nothing wrong when no other presidents were charged? He then wrote about President Biden, President Clinton, and invoked Secretary Clinton's emails. He ended with the greatest witch hunt of all time. Do you think he's worried about this? I I believe the president's worried about it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be commenting on it. And And he's rightfully worried about it. The penalties for violating the Espionage Act are really severe. It's the same statute that Edward Snowden was facing. And there aren't that many defenses to that charge. And it's very difficult when you've been caught hoarding nuclear secrets at your Mar-a-Lago beach club. And it is doubly worse when you have been caught obstructing the government's efforts to retrieve these documents. The one saving grace for Trump in this case, and it is massive, is he has been assigned a judge named Eileen Cannon. She is the federal district court judge who is overseeing this case, and she is a Trump appointee. This judge has taken steps that has delayed this case going to trial. Some of the steps are completely valid. And the one thing to remember is that these judges have extreme discretion over how to set trial schedules. Prosecutors can't go complain to a higher authority. This is just how the US justice system works. And Trump got very lucky in that the one thing which he wanted, which was to delay these trials, may well happen in the classified documents case. And then, of course, there's Georgia, the Fulton County case, which is a whole new set of charges, a whole other headache. Tell me about that. These state racketeering cases are perilous for defendants because typically you charge a large number of people and then you get the lower level people to flip on people above them. And by the time you go to trial, you probably have maybe four or five defendants left and about, in this case, potentially, you know, 10, if not more, cooperating witnesses, people who were originally charged, but then later took plea deals and they all effectively pinned the blame higher up the food chain. And so for Trump, that could be very perilous for him when this eventually goes to trial. The one saving grace for him here again is that these RICO cases take a long time to get to trial. And we are envisioning this trial in particular to not be completed until 2025, by which time you will know if Trump is the next president or not. I feel like I could say, and that's not all, several times over in this story. But really, Hugo, that's not all. There are still other cases. The sexual assault, defamation, hush money. Can you tell me a bit about those? So the Manhattan District Attorney brought a state criminal case against Trump over his hush money payments to this adult film star Stormy Daniels before the 2016 election. Effectively, what this amounted to was bookkeeping fraud. 
because the hush money payments weren't disclosed as such, and so he is being prosecuted effectively for fraud. The Eugene Carroll case, the defamation case, revolves around Eugene Carroll's accusation that Trump sexually assaulted her decades ago, and he defamed her when he said it wasn't true and that she lied. That was the first defamation case which Trump lost. After he lost that case, he then went on CNN and elsewhere and effectively defamed Eugene Carroll again because he continued to say she's a liar. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I swear on my children, which I'd never do. I have no idea who this woman, this is a fake story, made up story. And so there's now a second defamation came that was brought off the back of those comments, which Trump is almost certain to be found liable for again. Coming up, how is Donald Trump using his legal dramas to his advantage? And can anyone stop him? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Hugo, what is the running order here? How are these cases scheduled and how are they heard? I mean, does Trump have to be present at each one? And how is that managed? Trump will have to be present for each of his criminal cases. He doesn't always have to be there for the civil ones. Sometimes he has shown up, sometimes he hasn't. But remember, we now have this surreal situation where he is going to be popping in and out of these criminal cases while he campaigns for president. You know, we're coming into an election year. The current schedule as it stands, we have the New York AG 
civil fraud case happening at the moment. That'll be wrapped up by December. Around December, we will have the second Eugene Carroll defamation case. In the start of March, we are scheduled to go to trial in New York for the hush money case. We are also scheduled to have a status conference in the classified documents case in March to decide when that case will actually go to trial. Currently, it's scheduled for May, but it seems like the judge wants to push that back. Also in March, we are scheduled to go to trial in D.C. in the federal January 6th case. And at some point in the summer, presumably, Judge Scott McAfee in Fulton County will schedule a trial in the Georgia election case. A lot of these cases will move if other cases move. For instance, if we do end up going to trial in the federal January 6th case in March, it is almost certain that the classified documents case will be delayed. Trump simply cannot be in two courtrooms at the same time. And so there is going to have to be at some point, probably in the new year, a recalibrating of the trial schedule. And interspersed in all of these cases is the political calendar. Well, I was going to ask, as ridiculous as this sounds, do the courts need to or have to give him any leeway because he's also fighting a presidential election? The courts will give him no leeway. In fact, it was put very explicitly by the judge in Washington that the needs of justice will come over his needs as a political candidate. He won't be able to attend various political events or rallies or primary elections in the way that he might have otherwise wanted to. But... Trump has this uncanny way of turning it into a positive, at least with his supporters, because it gives him scope to say, this is a political persecution, they're making me go to trial, and they brought these cases simply to keep me off the ballot, to simply keep me from winning the election. You've perfectly preempted my next question, because this much legal scrutiny, this much expense and jeopardy would be damaging for any politician. As you said, Trump is still forging ahead with his campaign and he appears to be using it to his advantage. And there's a sense that the images of him in court, him dominating the news headlines, presenting himself as the underdog, irrespective of the facts, it's appealing to supporters. Can you explain why and how? We've thought about this question for a long time about why Trump continues to poll so well and manages to get such good fundraising numbers despite his numerous criminal indictments. At this point, a lot of Americans either really like Trump or they really hate Trump. And the people who hate Trump are never going to vote for him anyway. And the people who like Trump are always going to vote for him anyway. There is going to be a small subset in the middle who are undecided, who maybe like some of Trump's policies or liked his picks for judges or the Supreme Court, but doesn't like him personally as this brash, swaggering guy who quite clearly is getting embroiled in these criminal cases and has been indicted by grand juries up and down the country. So from what you're saying, you believe that there are, is either a very pro-Trump camp or a very anti-Trump camp, and there is actually only a very small subset in the middle that could be swayed either way. It's a very small subset of people in a very small subset of states. There's probably six or seven battleground states where who wins will really matter. You know, there's places like Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. The one phenomenon that we have witnessed in the past year has been every time Trump has been indicted, his fundraising numbers go up, his polling numbers go up, and he gets his boost. And I think we have reached this point where if people thought that 
Trump would be chastised or his supporters would be chastised by the criminal indictments. We have seen no evidence of that. And it would be foolish to think that with each coming indictment or with each criminal case, that is going to change. People already know what the deal is with Trump and you either like it or you don't. And I don't think a conviction is going to change that many people's minds. That's such a wacky reality. Hugo, where are Trump's opponents in all of this? How are the Democrats handling Trump? With difficulty. The latest New York Times Siena poll that put Biden and Trump at a matchup basically had them polling the same. Less than a year to go now, and a New York Times Siena College poll shows Trump leading in five of the six most important battleground states that could be decisive. The margins are between four and 10%. Which is extraordinary because Biden has pulled off some massive legislative wins in his time in office. The big infrastructure bill and big COVID bills, his policy accomplishments have been massive. And yet, they don't seem to be translating to voters. And that has been a big concern for Biden's team in the White House and for the Biden campaign. Why isn't Biden polling higher? And there doesn't really seem to be a clear answer for that. Meanwhile, Trump is saying you know, he's too old to run for office. I mean, the guy can't find his way off of a stage. Look, here's a stage. That seems so resonated, here's but it's difficult to predict outcomes based on that because, for instance, in the 2022 midterms, everyone thought there would be a red wave in Congress and that Republicans would take back both chambers. They only narrowly took back the House and they didn't win in the Senate. And the one big undecided issue here is abortion. Republicans were made to own the Roe v. Wade reversal. And it will be interesting to see whether voters make Trump responsible for the overturning of Roe v. Wade because, after all, he put three conservative justices on the Supreme Court that paved the way for that to happen. So Hugo, from everything you've said and explained, the real responsibility in stopping Trump from becoming president might not be the courts, the US legal system, the alleged negative publicity, but actually in Biden and his team offering a winning, compelling reason for the American public to vote for them. How does that look right now? So it was never up to the courts and it will never be up to the courts to quote unquote save America as Democrats, I think, like to sometimes think. When Trump was under investigation during his presidency by Robert Mueller, the special counsel in the Russia investigation, people thought, oh, Mueller was going to force Trump to resign or somehow remove Trump. And at the end of the day, it has to be the voters and it has to be at the ballot box. And Biden's got two options. You know, he can either present himself as this great legislator, this great president who's going to do great things in America. And he is also making this point that, you know, don't compare me to the almighty, but compare me to the alternative. And the alternative, of course, is Trump. And that was the message he ran on in 2020. It was supposed to be a stable presidency after the four years of supposed chaos with Trump. But it's not clear if either of those messages at the moment are piercing through. And that's the difficulty we have as we head into 2024. A long year ahead. Hugo, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. That was The Guardian's reporter in Washington, Hugo Lowell. You can read his coverage of Donald Trump's legal battles and more at theguardian.com. To keep up to date with all that and more, do tune in to our sister podcast, Politics Weekly America. 
every Friday with Jonathan Friedland. Listen to that wherever you listen to this. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. Back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.